watching us online or those of you who are here for the first time, we are preparing to do what God has told us to go out and do. God gave us some instructions a while back and we've been waiting patiently over in Aresley for something miraculous to happen. We've been waiting. We have a headquarters and offices over in Aresley and we were there for about a year waiting for an opportunity to launch the church. And as we were waiting, we were worshiping in a little spitty space with a few people just, just in preparation, just preparing. And God said, finally, go. He said, go. And I was to a point of frustration. And I was, my patience was waning. And I, I was looking at the people and hearing what they had to say. And I wasn't paying attention to what God had to say. And finally, he told me to go talk to a pastor. You heard this testimony before. And I went and talked to this pastor about if we could use that space to launch the church. And he told me, my lease is up in April, so you can't use this space, but I know a place. But see, I was obedient to what God said. God said, simply go. There's times in our life where it doesn't even make sense with what's going on in our life, but there's something profound. Sometimes the most profound things are the most simplest things. The, sim the simple things of life sometimes, they're the most profound things. I'll say it again. The most profound things sometimes are the most simplest things in life. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to get there. I mean, you watch this presidential election, which, you know, if you haven't voted, you should go vote. You watch the presidential election, and you wonder, how can they mess this up? Confusing the nation. I feel confused right now. But I think, but then, if they would just simplify it, then we can get a better understanding that the necessity and the need really is that we are active in the process in preparing for the next generation of vote. Simple but profound. Now, for me, though, I think when we came to launch the church and he said go, it was a matter of just being under instruction and under his authority, and I went. And so we ended up at Kennedy Middle School by just going. In your life, God will give you some instructions at times where it won't even be a lot. He's, he was saying, he doesn't have to say a whole lot. All he has to give you is just the words, go. So today, we're going to talk about on the theme, just go. It's been a rough week. I, I, I am an only child raised by my mother, and uh, as such, I, I'm spoiled. And so, I have a wonderful, brilliant, gorgeous, attractive wife who takes very good care of me beyond what she, what she should, but she does, and I love her for it. And on Friday, she went out of town. And so, I think I've destroyed our bedroom with clothes everywhere. Dishes are just around. Uh, it, it started to have a little stench this morning, and uh, it's bad, it's bad. It's, but she had to go. And when she went, I, I'm going to hire, I think I'm going to hire somebody to come back and straight up to her and give it It's not that bad. It's almost that bad, but not quite. I can, I can do it. I just have to do it. But it's been a rough, what I'm trying to tell you, it's been a rough few days for me, is what I'm trying to tell you. I, I haven't had the systems in place that I'm used to. See, she gets up earlier than I do, so when she gets up, I, I get up. And so if she's not there to get up, I struggle with even the simple things like getting up. Uh, and, but, but she had to go. She, she had to go. 
She had to go see by her family. So now I'm, I'm finding myself in a need of being uh, more intentional about how I approach my day. I'm being more intentional about how I, I, I construct my, my, my day. And so this week has been a challenging week for me. And so I, I didn't put the things in place that I normally would do in a normal week. I had a great opportunity to preach at Southeastern University this past Thursday. And it was a, a wonderful time. But even in that experience, and it was just the anointing came heavy in that place. Even in that experience there, I, I, I still broke from my routine. So even like today, we, we, we normally set up on Fridays, but the schools were closed on Fridays. It seemed like every time we make a turn, there seems to be an attack to our journey. There's always an attack to your journey. When God is in a part to do something great in your life, some of you have gone through some difficult times, but you've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been seeking God, you've been trying to live the good life, you've been doing the things that you know to do, but somehow, way, there still seems to be uh, obstacles in your way to achieving what you feel as though you should be achieving. Some of you have, have lived a life and you thought that you've been further along in your career, you've been further along in your education, you've been further along in your relationships, and you find yourself in a place where you almost feel like giving up. Those are pains when God has destiny and a future for you. God said, I, I, I give you hope and, a, and I promise you to have a future. See, you are in a place where God wants you to be when you're doing the things God has told you to do, but the enemy is attacking you. You're in a place where when things start to get hard for you, and, but you think you're doing the right things in life, but things are still hard for you, that's okay. That's okay. Matter of fact, I get so excited now when, when I, I know I'm living the best life I can for the Lord, but the enemy is attacking me. I, 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 I'm, I, my, my life is going awry because things aren't going as they should. I get a call this morning, and I knew when I got the call this morning, the person said, I overslept. And I said, man, God, thank you. You see, I count on them being in place at all times. But when they weren't in place at the right time, I said, thank you, because then I know the attacks are coming. That means we're doing the right thing. Because when he said go, we went. So here we find ourselves in Mark the 10th chapter, verse 46 to 52. Blind Barnabas is receiving his sight. I think you can turn on my sound, please, kind of sir. On verse 46, Mark 10, 46 says this. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Barnabas, which means Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard, what was Jesus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 40, verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Verse 51, 
What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 42. Jesus said, go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. See, as he was calling upon Jesus, we think about this passage of scripture here, the emphasis of infamous passage, not matter of fact, it's a famous passage of scripture. He was sitting there and he was begging, he saw that Jesus was coming, he raised his level of expectation to a place of faith. I like to say he raised a place of great faith. He knew that if Jesus was coming, he put himself in a position to be connected with Jesus. But see, it wasn't just, the, just being connected, but see, there was more than just the, the connection. It was the actual fact that he wanted to, he really wanted God to do something majestic in his life. He wanted a miracle to happen in his life. But so what he did was he said, I have to be in a place where the anointing of God will come into my life and I will experience this miracle I've been searching for for years. Time and time again, we, get, we hear from stories after stories after stories in the Bible. We hear about the woman who had 12 issues years of blood, where she was taught, she spent all her money, went to all the doctors, and when she found herself in need of a miracle, what she did was she went up behind Jesus in a very lowly way and touched the edge of his cloak. It says immediately she was healed. See, each time we hear of a story in the Bible where someone is healed immediately, it's because they had faith. How's your faith? How's your faith? We've been in this faith journey for the last two months. We're preaching on faith because you have to raise your level of expectation if God's really going to do the things you want him to do in your life. You just can't go by living a fashionable life. Sometimes you need to get indignant about getting towards your miracle. Sometimes it requires you to not just fast, but to pray, but to weep before the Lord. Sometimes you have to yearn for it so much, it puts you in an uncomfortable place. Sometimes it, it may appear as though it won't happen, but Jesus says it will happen if you believe in me. Here, immediately what Jesus said to her, St. Edward to Bartholomew, is to go. See, he said, go because he was already healed. God is telling us today on this Sunday, five or six weeks before the grand opening, to go. To take on the healing he's already provided in your life, to go. Walk as though you've already received the healing of, from God. To go, do you believe enough to go? I'm telling you today. I'm ecstatic about what God is doing in my life. I saw a vision of it this morning, and it was so brilliant. It broke me to my knees, and I started to weep here on stage because I saw the future in my life. Have you seen the future in your life? Matter of fact, I say envision it yourself. You paint the picture what you want God to do for you. When he came to Jesus, he said, what do you want me to do? He knew inside of him what he needed him to do. Because he went there with a purpose in mind. He was intentional about getting his healing. But it was his intentionality that Jesus saw his faith. 
And he just simply said, go. You're healed. But we're teaching school. Let's teach teaching school. Teaching church. Point number one. We, in the next few weeks, go make disciples. God calls us to go make disciples. Matthew 28, 16, and 20. To all Christians, it says this. This is the Great Commission. Verse 16. Matthew 20, 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make, therefore go, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. Verse 19 says, therefore, go. Just go. See, you can't think about it, you can't contemplate it. He doesn't give you time to confuse it with analysis of the paralysis, but he says, go. Are you going? It says, go make disciples. It's very simple and plain. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're just going to go and make some disciples. Share the good news. Grab somebody by the hand. Walk them through. Sit at a Starbucks. Talk to them about Jesus. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You have to have a testimony of what he did for you. That's all he's asking of us to do is to share the good news. We all have a testimony. What's your testimony? My testimony is, man, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, and I'm still alive. That's one. Somebody said, it's a good day this morning. It's a good day when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, for most people. It's a great day when you wake up in the morning. For some people, it's not such a good day when you wake up in the morning. There's hardships, there's challenges, there's difficulties, there's the struggles of life, there's sickness, there's blindness, there's persecution, there's being paralyzed, there's being some all kind of, it's wonderful to say every good day is a wonderful day when you're above the earth. There are other people who are struggling with each day and they're trying to hold on with the breath of life. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going through life today, it's not just a good day, it's a great day because you have the opportunity to get all things right again. I was thinking about those who I visited in the hospital. And I, I think about those who I want to say today is a great day for them. But I also realize the pain and the suffering they're going through, and I'm trying to ease them through this transitional moment that I don't know if it's a great day for them because they got up. But then I realize that it's not for me to reflect or to contemplate that. It's my responsibility to go and make disciples of men regardless of the situation, regardless of where they're going through. It's my responsibility, it's our responsibility to usher them into the transition of life. But it becomes immediate when you're there at the bedside, but it becomes a reality and it's so good, it's so exciting. You have an opportunity to share the good news with somebody when tomorrow will be their great day because their yesterday is behind them. That's exciting. 
I look forward to going out and speaking life to people who have a chance for life. That's exciting. It's exciting to be able to share the good news of the gospel with somebody who wants to hear it. That's exciting. Let me tell you, everybody wants to hear how they're going to get to heaven. Nobody wants to hear how they're going to get to hell. That's why preaching fire and brimstones went out in the 70s and the 80s because people got tired of hearing about them going to hell all the time. Somebody wants to know how they're going to get to heaven. That's the good news. Go and share the good news. Point number two. Go evangelize. Acts 5, 17 through 20. The apostles persecuted. That's Acts 5, verse 17. Then the high priests and all the associates were members of the party of the Sudacees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Then the high priest and associates were members of the party of Sudacees who were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles <laughs> and put them in public jail. Even when under the persecution, when they arrested the apostles and put them in jail, the angel Lord opened up the door and allowed them to come in, come out, and then to evangelize. It says here, the angel told them, go stand in the temple courts, the angel said, and tell the people all about this new life. Man, when you're going through some exciting times, you get to have an opportunity to tell people about this new life that Jesus blessed you with. I can tell them how I was going through some struggles, but here he was. He rescued me. He brought me through. Then you can tell about this new life where I now look at difficulties and challenges as opportunities to speak the good news to, to into myself and to others who I come in contact with. In this new life, everything that I did in my past is in my past and my future is bright because I know that Jesus has me. In this new life, I get excited about this new life because in this new life, I don't have to worry about... Uh, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because he says, worry not about tomorrow because it will take care of itself. In this new life, I can live in the present. Understanding my future is taken care of and my past is forgotten. In this new life, I know I have life everlasting. In this new life, I have no worries. In this new life, I have no fears. In this new life, woo! In this new life, I'm, I'm a new creation, it says in 1 Corinthians. In this new life, all things are washed away. In this new life, oh man, even my failures become tools towards my victory. In this new life, the enemy becomes my footstool. So even the haters become my, my mechanisms to get towards my success. In this new life. In this new life, when I feel like when my pockets say I don't have, God says, I give you more than enough. In this new life, <laughs> when I don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will speak for me. In this new life, <laughs> when I see my, my body starting to fail, when your body's starting to fail in this new life, you can go back and think about how he healed everybody else that you in the Bible and in the life that you know for yourself, in this new life, healing becomes a reality. Prosperity becomes the norm. 
Joy becomes everyday. Brilliance becomes common sense. In this new life, the sun never sets. Because God's light always shines. In this new life, I have greater appreciation for the sun in the morning and the moon that reflects the sun at night. Understanding that God has always provided a light for me in day and at night. In this new life, joy is my standard. Peace is my foundation. Happiness is my thunder. In this new life, I stand on the promises. In this new life, so go evangelize. Point number three, go with faith. <laughs> Go with faith. John 4, 46, 50 says this. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee. We had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When the man, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. <laughs> Unless you you people see signs and wonders, wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. He said, go, go. There's something about going. Somebody say, go, go. There's something about, Jesus says, go, you go. He says, go, and his son was healed. And in the story, it continues to say that Jesus was actually back in his hometown. And he already spoke to the fact that a prophet is without honor in his home country. He already spoke that into existence. And so what he said was, I have to do something big for them to understand that I am the Messiah. So he tells them, if you don't see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Because you knew me as the carpenter's son. You know me as a carpenter. You didn't think much of me. But if you see some signs and some wonders. So Jesus was intentional, but the man was intentional to get healing for his son. See, right before that, Jesus did his first miracle. His first miracle was he turned water into wine. His second miracle recorded was him raising this man's child. From illness to wholeness. That was the second miracle. And he did it in his hometown because he had to set the standard. He said, if you don't see signs and wonders, you won't believe. So he grew, and but the man thought back when he went back to his child, he thought back at the time that Jesus spoke to him, the scriptures say, and he realized it was the same time that Jesus said, go. See, when you're obedient to God, he will immediately bless you right then and right there if you believe. We had to raise our level of expectation. We had to raise our level of faith to a place that God would simply have to say to us, go. And when he says go, we have to go. You can't hold back. It's not the time to hold back. When God says go, I tear it up. When God says go, that's where we go. I'm excited. Forward, not backwards. Luke 9, 61-62 says this. 
Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let me put it back to you. Let me say it back to you again. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Woo. So, I'm from Indiana, so it's a rule. I live in Indiana for a number of years, born in Indiana. It's a rural community, and we have nothing but corn and, and, and soybeans. Soybeans and corn. Soybeans and corn. Uh, I was came to, to, to I came to where South Carolina, South Carolina, and I saw my first cotton field, and I was like, "Whoa, cotton! I've never saw cotton before," and it was astonishing to me that America even still, I just thought when slavery ended, cotton ended. I just was ignorant to the fact that there's still cotton fields in America. And I, and I got out and I looked at it and I looked at the cotton and I became, began to get a little angry because I thought back about all the people who uh, had to pick that cotton for years upon years. And I thought about the blood, the, 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 the scars from picking the cotton and the blood that was, uh, that had the head started to bleed. I, I, I thought back over the, the whippings that our people had to go through as they picked the cotton from the, from the master and the one who looked over them. And I, I thought about the pounds of cotton they had to pick in a day. They didn't meet that quota that they had to experience. And I, I thought back of, 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 of the, the cabins and, and eating, the, eating the, the leftover foods while we still eat pig, pigs, mouses, and ears, and feet, and tails. And then because we couldn't get anything else, I, I thought back how eating like that led us to a, a decades and generations and generations of diabetes and high blood pressure. I, 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 I thought back over all the brutality that that cotton represented as I wore my denim jeans. But I was looking back. In that frustration, looking back, I don't even know if it was moving me forward. See, there comes times that you have to just look forward and not look back. So Jesus here says, grab the plow and not to look back. We're talking the other day. See, when you grab a plow, what happens is, you grab a plow, and if you turn to look just a little bit, your, your body turns with your neck, and the plow starts to turn, and then you mess up the crop. Amen? Amen. But see, what he's, what he's saying here, <laughs> no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back. Is fit for service in the kingdom. God wants us not to remember our spiritually. He doesn't want us to look back over the difficulty, over the challenges that they have our faith when we see him in the future. He wants our focus to be on him, our focus to be on the future, our focus to be on what he set out for us, our focus to be on our destiny, our focus to be on the resurrected Christ, or our focus to be on how we get in heaven. God wants us to look forward and not to look back. You can't continue to live in your past. You have to live towards your future, what you're doing for God. God wants you to live 
for your future, what you're doing for him. God is asking us, he's pleading with us to simply go forward. So here at the ELC, we're going forward. We're not looking back. We're pulling others in. We're discipling, we're evangelizing. We're going forward by great faith because God has instructed us to. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back. It's fit for service in the kingdom of God. So we don't look back. We look towards April 5th. We look towards Easter Sunday. We look towards the future. And we get ecstatic about it because we're in position where God has told us to go. Last point, point five. Luke 10, 1 through 4. Simply, go. Jesus sends out the 72. He says here, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two of, of him to every town and place where he was about to go. God sent people out in front of him to set the tone, pave the way, to give the announcement that he's coming. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We know about that here. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, he said simply, go. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not Take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Jesus instructed them again. He says, go. 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 His instructions were simple but profound. He said, go. For us, he's sending us out into the highways and the byways of Southwest Charlotte Steel Creek. And he's saying, go. I'm sending you out where, where, there, where there's lambs, where there's wolves and lambs clothing, and there's wolves attacking the lambs. I'm sending you out where you can be persecuted, but I'm sending you out with great faith so you can believe that when you go through some attacks by the wolves of this world called the enemy, that you will still stay the course and go. The workers are few. Even understanding that the workers are few and the harvest is great didn't stop Jesus from sending them out to go. I said again, even though the workers were few and the harvest was plenty, Jesus did not stop them by giving them the command to go. Okay, even though the workers were few and the harvest was plenty, Jesus gave them the instructions to go. God is telling us to go. It doesn't, it doesn't even seem like it makes sense, but we know that we have a journey to do. We have an assignment to complete. We have a destiny to fulfill. We have a future and promises to stand upon. We have hope for tomorrow. He's telling us to go. So go we will. Go we're going with great faith. We're going to make disciples. We're going to evangelize. We're going. 
to serve the kingdom of God. Woo! And we're not looking back. <laughs> Don't look back. In your life, when you're an assignment of God for the kingdom, do not look back or where you stumble, or where you struggle, or where you broke the laws of God. Don't look back at those things. God has you on an assignment, and he knows that the work is a few. But he knew that when he had 12. He knew that when he had 12. He knew that when he took three. He, he, he knew that when he was by himself, he knew that there was few, but he knew that God was mighty. We have to understand in your life that God is mighty above men. He's powerful, all-knowing. He, he, you don't have to worry when you're on assignment from God. Let me tell you, when I was in Los Angeles, on Boston, Boston. I was in Boston, and we would go out every Friday at midnight. We would put on, about four or five of us put on our clergy collars and black suits, and we would go out in Wasbury, Dorchester, Mattapan. We would go to these called the hood of Boston. We would go out in our black suits and our collars and we would go to the places where the homicide happened that week. We would go to where the gangs were gathered. We would go to the hot spots that nobody in the city wanted to go to. We would go where we felt God had called us to raise need in the city. We would gather around 11 o'clock on a Friday night. Now, we're young men in our 20s and 30s, early 30s, and so normally, a young man that age is probably out with his girlfriend or out with his wife or at the club. We went out and left at 11 o'clock and we had worship. And after we worshiped, then we would go out, get in the car, and we'd go to a place. We met with the police in the early week to find out where to go. And the police would say, you shouldn't be out there because something's going to happen to you. But we said, we have an assignment. We're not really concerned about that. We have God. And I can remember one night we walked up to a group of men and they pulled their weapons out on us because they didn't trust the fact that we had on collars. But then when they saw our hearts, they realized that we were there to do them good and not to do them harm. And by that, they were able to witness what Christianity is and not the soft, pelting Christianity, but the, the, the manly Christianity. The ones that say, I love you so much, I put myself in harm's way. And, and I, I look back over all these brothers who are doing some great work for the Lord today, the pastors and professors and church planters. There's some wonderful men in the body of Christ. And I didn't understand when he says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. I now understand when I look back over that and I see and learn from that lesson was that there wasn't a whole lot of us, but we made an impact in the city. And how they saw how these, how these other great men were doing some work within the city and how they withstood and grew a line in the sand. And the one thing that I take back mostly from this experience was the fact that one night we went out and this brother prayed. Oh, 
It started to rain. And as we got out the car, he prayed and asked God to remove the rain so that we could go out and minister. And as soon as he said this prayer, it stopped raining. I saw a miracle of nature happening from my very eyes. And at that moment, I understood that when you're on an assignment for God, you can even speak to the things that God has control over in nature. And that was the clouds and the rain. He said, dear God, please make it stop raining. And it stopped. I tell you that story because I want you to understand in your life, you want to sign it from God. You can speak even to nature when others can't even understand and you can have control over it when God sends you. That you don't have to falter, you don't have to worry. You can speak life in, when there's death. You can speak joy when there's disease. You can speak promise when people like hope if you just walk into your assignment and go and have faith. So today, let's have faith as God is sending us. Let's move as though God is in control. Let's speak as though the Holy Spirit will speak for us we don't know what to say. Let's lay hands as though we, the healing power still flows in today's time. Let's speak in other tongues if God gives it to you to say. Let's, let's move with the understanding that he's already provided a victory for us. So let's grab this plow. Let's not look back. Because we are fit for the service of God. Woo! I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been to the gym today. And I'm fit for the service of God. Let's get excited about it. Let's get excited about the future. Let's get excited about the destiny that God has in your life, in your family's life, in the life of this church. Let's get excited about the, what, what God has already said is going to happen if we simply just go. And it will happen immediately as we answer that call. In Jesus' name. Give God a hand, praise in his way. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen. I'm excited about Jesus. Jesus. So let's pray this out. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for these words that came today, Father. We thank you. <laughs> I'm so focused on this message. I didn't even think about the celebration today, Lord. Uh, you're my celebration. You're our celebration today, Father. You're awesome that you are. So we come before you today. Dear God, we hear the instruction. It's simple yet profound to go. So with great faith, Father, we, we come praying for the ones that are at home who are not connected to you today, who lost their way. We pray for them. We'll go. We, we, we pray for our careers, Father, that seem to fall asleep. We'll pray for them today. We'll go. We'll pray for those spouses today, Father, who 
understand we love God, but they don't really have reformed in that way. We want to be equally yoked. We pray for marriages today, God. We'll go back to our spouse, believe that you've already worked it out. Father, we pray for those children, Father, who tend to act as though they never heard the word of God before. Lord, today we, we pray for them. We go. We, we, we pray now, God, for the doctor's report. Dear Lord. You are the great doctor. Luke was one, but you're great. So, Father, we take, we pray now, Lord. So we go to, before the doctor, Father. You already have worked it out. We go. Father, now. We pray, Lord, for our finances, dear God. You know what our needs are. You've already worked it out. We're going to go and pay the bills and make the investments. And so you've already worked it out. We'll go. We'll go. Share the, the news of the new life that we have. We'll go and make disciples. We'll go with great faith. We'll go forward, not looking backward. We'll go because you're our God. 